Today, I have with me Priyanka. Priyanka is the VP of Operations at Open Law, and she's involved with the Lao, Flamingo Dao, and Seed Club as well. So today, we are going to talk to her more about you know what she's up to, um, and and there are so many interesting projects that she is involved with. So we are going to talk about about those. So uh, Priyanka, can you start off by just uh, you know talking about what you are working in crypto right now? What's yeah, what's your overall involvement as well? And, you know, just a brief about yourself. Sure. Thank you. Um, and thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, there are quite a few projects that I've, I've been working on. So I guess maybe it, it might be helpful to give a little context um, just on my background and, and how I got here. So I uh, initially, after college, worked in politics um, in D.C. and on the Foreign Affairs Committee, actually, for a few years and, and came across Bitcoin. Um, thought it was pretty interesting more from like a social political vantage point like having a non-centrally backed digital currency um or non-centrally bank backed digital currency and thought it was that was kind of fascinating from that vantage point uh quickly thereafter i went to law school um wanted to write and, and and talk about the intersection of law and and this technology specifically bitcoin um ethereum had been announced in 2015 i had a professor that actually um you know introduced me to ethereum we wrote about the ethereum and then i kind of just from there went down the rabbit hole um i you know started working at r3 and then also worked at a government agency in new york that did some of the bit licensing work and and thought the space was super interesting uh by the time um i was beginning to graduate from uh, uh law school I actually, um, you know, the original, I don't know if you remember the 2016 DAO, the DAO, it's hard to forget that that was kind of a monumental piece of, you know, what happened in, in the Ethereum history. Um, but I, at the time, I just thought it was incredible. It raised all these funds. Um, There's a lot of legal questions around um, what was going on with that, whether or not these tokens were securities, et cetera. So from a legal standpoint, it was fascinating. And then you had this hack um, you know, and and very few of those people had legal protection, uh, the members who actually invested in the DAO. Um, and then also that beyond that was just like this ICO boom. So so the, the trend of crypto really kicked off. I joined the Open Law team quickly thereafter. Um, and really Open Law it aims to build a legal protocol layer um, on top of blockchain. So we are a legal wrapper for smart contracts. So when you're, you know, transferring digital assets from one party to another, you know, those digital assets can represent Bitcoin or Ether, but they can also represent real property, like, you know, a house or intellectual property, like rights to a piece of digital artwork, et cetera. So you want some sort of legal wrapping paper around that when you're, um, you know, transferring it from one party to another. Um, uh, and then, so with the Open Law team, like we'd been quick, you know, building quite a bit, had a few interesting partnerships, but a lot of us on the team were really animated by the original DAO, uh, which is why I mentioned it. And, and obviously there was a lot of technical issues at the time, but, uh, you know, we're at a place where the tech has matured. Um, and also, you know, we on the Open Law team had like the legal acumen to really put together the structuring um, around a DAO that could be, um, you know, very much in line of this idea of pooling capital like water and then, you know, investing in different projects very quickly through a democratic voting system based on a hive mind of contributor, co contributors. Um, so in that um, 
you know, vein, we launched the Lao, uh, which is a very much similar take of the Dao, but it's all within the legal confines um, of Lao. And I'm happy to unpack that a little bit more later. And then from the Lao, we incubated, because uh, a lot of the members of the Lao were interested in the NFT space, uh, incubated a project called Flamingo, which is specifically, um, you know, for the investment of in NFTs that could be anything from digital art to gaming assets to ENS domains, etc. Um, and then I've also on the side been involved, as you mentioned, with something called Seed Club, which is more of just a personal interest area, but that, that is a, it's a group and a cohort of people that um, kind of are really interested in the social token community token space, this idea of giving creators power and autonomy and engage with their fans directly through the and, and buying their fans together through the use of a token. Um, so there's quite a bit in there. Happy to talk a little bit about everything there, but um, that's kind of a little bit about me and, and some of the projects that um, I've been working with. Like what sort of uh, applications have you seen that have used Lao these days? I saw that uh, there was Aave credit delegation um, that, that uh, used the Lao um, somehow. So yeah, what, what interesting applications have you seen right now? And where do you see it, you know, in the near future, say the next couple of years, um, what sort of people will use uh, blockchain to write these uh, legal contracts? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think with the, you know, Aave credit delegation, that was more of the use of the open law protocol itself. Um, so, so, so yes, we, we partnered with Aave, we, we did like a, um, a credit delegation using OpenLaw. And just to kind of give you a quick summary, like really we can take any, um, you know, agreement on OpenLaw, digest that agreement. Mar so you market, you digest it through like a markup language that we've created. That markup language turns that agreement into a data object. You can literally embed the smart contract in this data object. And then, so when both parties sign the agreement, it looks just like a regular legal agreement. Um, they they sign it and then whatever smart contract is in the agreement and both parties agreed to gets executed and called. Um, so that's really what we did with Aave, um, if that answers your question. And there's yeah, sorry, you know, I, I mean, meant open law, not the law. Yes, yeah. it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to talk a little bit about open law too. But there's been a bit of a few other uh, projects in that space that we've worked on, like we've worked with several law firms. Um, that are playing around with the technology and want to use it for uh, loans. We partnered with a trade association in the loan syndication uh, space. So um, you could take like secondary loan trading documents, put that on open law and kind of more or less like extract a lot of the middle work using smart contracts. And so really like the role of an administrator uh, when you're talking about administrating a loan, like comes down to pressing a button and everything kind of gets spread through the various parties automatically through smart contracts. So, um, you know, there's a lot of interesting kind of clever work you could do in the loan space, but we've worked with law firms on, you know, intellectual property, real estate as well. So you can tokenize a piece of real estate, transfer that from one party to another, um, using a you know real estate purchase agreement and you have all the terms and everything there so you can like tokenize the title of land and then you could imagine a world where the government has like a tokenized land registry so every time a property gets transferred from one party since a blockchain really is that data later layer uh, you can have that recording automatically in some sort of government land registry 
um, without having to deal with the paperwork or bureaucracy or anything. It kind of just happens automatically. And, and you have the actual, you know, cryptographic, cryptographic proof of that transference. So, you know, that kind of work is really interesting. But I mean, legal is kind of like this dark, you know, my our founder, Aaron Wright, says this a lot. Um, but he's like, legal is kind of the dark matter of every single industry. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, there's always uh, a need for legal documents and digital assets are no different. You know, smart contracts are great, but they're really nothing more than lines of code. So it's going to be important increasingly, especially as we, as we kind of start talking about assets in the real world to have some sort of contract tied to them. So their rights and obligations are memorialized and everyone each party um, understands it right now it's mostly like uh, digital assets that you are like the the sort of core like who, the main users are sort of like core crypto people from what i assume like people usually um like digit like what say uh yeah like digital native who people who want to try out uh crypto stuff it's it's mostly around that compared to like traditional uh you know industries using uh you know shifting to using open law yes i i would say that we have more of a crypto native approach like you know our thesis is that it's probably better to start from like this crypto market and um and you know we we've talked to a lot of crypto companies that are interested in like sucking in real world assets uh, you know, that there's a lot of folks who want to blend crypto into the real world and, and we're kind of legal is kind of a way to do that. So we've definitely talked to a lot of crypto companies that want to do that. Um, and there's also like, I think, more on the traditional enterprise space, folks who are just leaning in, trying to learn a little more. Um, like when you talk about some like the standard agreements and like the interest derivative space, like there's some definitely interest there to standardize that and have like interest swaps through, um, you know, smart contracts and then having a real contract uh, layered on top of that. So I would say at this point, we're probably in the more like crypto company, crypto native land, but uh, you know, we've spoken to several enterprises and I think, um, you know, we've also kind of have some tooling outside of the blockchain pieces on open law, like our contract automation. Um, um, that kind of work is, is super compelling just to a lot of law firms and yeah, I mean, we really believe in this stack of like open law, like Chainlink Oracle, and then Ethereum. And we call that the Olay stack internally. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I think, pretty powerful. And I'm sure traditional enterprises will eventually kind of push in that direction. You mentioned about how, you know, one can create, uh, yeah, open law, uh, can, you know, these contracts. Um, but yeah, can you give a bit detail if, if someone, you know, wants to is interested to try out open law as well you know uh, how, how does that process actually work and what sort of uh, how how are things tied with the real world legal environment and uh, the blockchain yeah. yeah so um yeah if you want to try out and like actually execute a contract using open law that's tied to a smart contract you can do that today at openlaw.io we have a public library and we have contracts in there you can play around um and you know transfer ETH or whatever, you know, token you'd like. Um, so the way that it actually works, so I, I kind of touched on this a little bit with the markup language, but basically you can take any legal agreement. So, you know, it could be an employee offer letter. Um, you mark that up in our markup language. That basically uh, allows you to create variables and conditionals in the agreement. 
Um, if you'd like, uh, let's say it's an employee law offer letter and you want to pay the employee by the minute, uh, you can basically create a smart contract that you as the employer can put into that agreement and it actually ties to the markup language itself. So it's like literally the two are tethered together. You also then put like a signature solution at the bottom. That signature um, makes it so that both parties can actually execute the agreement. And so the signature is memorialized on a blockchain. So effectively um, at that point, once you mark up the agreement, you have the respective smart contract that is embedded in the agreement. Both parties can read the contract just like any other normal agreement. Um, you then send that out to signature. Both parties can sign that agreement through email. The signature, then you get like an ether scan. So it looks like any other transaction. And then whatever smart contract is literally embedded in the agreement. So in this case, if it's like getting paid by the minute, you know, the smart contract gets called and the employee starts getting paid by the minute, but both the employer and the employee have real world record of the employee offer agreement. All the terms are part of that agreement. It's just the smart contract itself is just getting called. And so the agreement itself is like reference on chain for both privacy and cost efficiency, but um, you have a reference of that to the smart contract itself. So, um, you know, it, it kind of sits above the blockchain. It's almost like a layer two. It is a layer two solution in a way. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, coming to uh, the law, so, um, yeah, what, can you explain, uh, start off by talking about law, the law, you know, um, and, and what's the current position at? I saw that uh, you have around 5 million raised, uh, out of which around 2 or 3 million have been deployed with some projects mm -hmm. that I could see on the website. Um, but yeah, what's, what's the status of the law currently? Yeah, so, you know, the law has been a pretty fun experiment so far. And we, like I said earlier, we're really animated by uh, the original DAO in 2016, um, this notion of pulling capital and deploying it through like democratic vote is really compelling. and I think a killer use case for Ethereum. And so we brought that vision to life. Um, we launched at the end of April and, you know, just from that time period have slowly compounded, you know, interests through members and, and, and capital as well, and so have just been deploying in different projects. Um, I think we have close to 30 investments at this point. Uh, what's, what's cool about the Lao also, you know, the members range from all different, you know, stars and stripes of the Ethereum ecosystem. So um, we have people who are protocol founders, uh, you know, operators, people who are working, you know, day and night and, 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 and others who are in the venture space, whether that be traditional venture who are interested in the crypto realm or, you know, crypto venture capital. We have a lot of angels, um, a lot of people who've just been early, like ETH Foundation, just been at, you know, at Ethereum on the ground floor and want to support and see the ecosystem grow and love the concept of DAOs. Like a few of the folks um, in, in the Lao are actually were members of the original DAO. So they really love this idea um, of, of, of funding projects through community. So, so th that's just to say, um, you know, through that group of really diverse individuals, we've been able to um, create a portfolio in my perspective, that's pretty impressive and diverse. So, and by diverse, I mean, obviously it's in the crypto space, but it's in different like verticals of the crypto space. So of course we have some excellent DeFi products like Potion, Pods, Shell, um, you know, gr great 
uh, Idle Finance. Um, I mean, there's a few others. I've def D Hedge, PyDAO, Arc, APY. So there's a lot of great, uh, you know, DeFi projects. But then we also have a lot of interesting, you know, bleeding edge stuff in in the NFT um, uh, space too. Like our second investment in in a bear market before, like this insane. Um, kind of uh excitement around nfts was in, in super rare um we have a bunch of members that have leaned into the nft space so um you know avogachi was another one that felt very fresh and different this idea of nfts plugged into DeFi was super fascinating so people were like this is weird and cool let's invest in that um you know there's uh have been a few other nft like investments there's also been a lot of interest in what's happening in the kind of a infrastructure like supporting some of the core infrastructure so like storage um we we also uh, invested in zapperfy gelato other kind of key infrastructure tooling and also there's you know a couple investments in the personal social token space so the reason i kind of just i want to impress the fact that there's like it's not just one really focus and also there's some stuff like in privacy like tornado cash another one um, so it's, I would say like there's almost every single large camp that exists in the, in the blockchain um, uh, ecosystem, there's like some exposure in the Lao. And I think that just says more about the members. Um, so they're constantly on the hunt for new opportunities. Uh, we tend to move pretty quickly. Um, people are bringing new deals. We have a very active discord and, you know, two weekly calls. So People are engaged. It's a great community of people who are just who just love this stuff and are spotting really interesting, cool things early. So that's that's how the Lao's going. Um, you know, currently it is full, as you mentioned, uh, but there is a governance proposal that just went through, um, which actually is the the members are choosing to dilute themselves to add in new members. So legally, we can have up to 100 members. We have about 45 50 or we have about 50 right or excuse me 50 to 55 members at this time right now and so legally we can have up to 100 so we're going to add like 45 ish new members um and so that is actually going to be discussed and they'll bring in new capital and it'll be it'll make the fund hopefully even bigger and and more exciting and the opportunity to invest in even more project projects uh, will be there so that's really where we're at right now and and um just to note, like the, the part of where this flamingo idea came from was the Lao members themselves. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if there's anything there you want to unpack, but things are going well. It's been a fun experiment so far. Yeah, I guess the yeah the portfolio um, in the Lao is really great. I guess um, yeah, it it definitely is the top DeFi projects in crypto that I can find um, in in the Lao currently. Um, also, can you compare it to the DAO? Uh, how is it different? I think you you have a, a legal entity um, in Delaware, and uh, yeah, there are a lot of interesting uh, legal uh, uh, innovations I could say that you have got done that I could find actually in the docs. So yeah, can can you talk about how this differs from the DAO? Yeah, so the DAO is awesome. Um, you know, a lot of credit for that idea, but uh, it it didn't really have much legal structuring. So we you know, were really thoughtful about that and. Um, and the reason it's called Allow is because it's a limited liability company um, based in Delaware. Uh, it's, the, the full you know, fund, like, 
legal uh, legal liability autonomous organization Lim- li- yes limited liability limited, autonomous yeah. organization so it's actually two l's but you know for the sake of simplicity made it just one l um for lao and so it is a limited liability company meaning that everyone like unlike the original dao where everyone is default a general partner thus personally liable this limits your liability uh, just to your investment um and um yeah i mean so so it's delaware based limited liability you know unlike a traditional uh venture capital fund um with those you generally have like a general partner and uh, limited partners here we're not structured like that so it's every it's entirely member managed there is no gp it's just open law as a software provider and we take a small fee for that but everyone else just kind of does all of the decision making um you know we kind of stay out of that and just help run the application um so so in that regard it is very different and and i think you know unlike a traditional venture that uh where the venture capital fund itself takes uh takes a percentage generally 20% of the upside um here the it's super investor friendly in that they get all of the upside um so you know they there is no like 20% of the profits generated or whatever because they make all the decisions so it makes sense um so that's kind of how structurally that works um yeah so i would say it's very similar and also we use like the moloch uh we extend the moloch v2 smart contracts for the low and uh you know there is no token a part of that at least like not in the near term of course the members could always decide to do that um but yeah nothing like that at the moment interesting yeah i i i did follow moloch v2 i think yeah that has sort of become the standard for um all these dow projects that are coming up how do people d- decide which projects to invest in and how are the rewards distributed among uh yeah among law members yeah so i mean the way these decisions are made it's you know it's a pretty it, it can be project to project but um generally speaking like uh, a member will bring in an interesting project you know we reach out members may jump on a call with that project and then from there it moves pretty quickly people weigh in uh give their thoughts and and you know if the project is interested they'll they'll either put up a proposal or they'll apply even beforehand uh for funding um and uh you know someone will put that up for vote there's a 7 day vote period so all the members will have to kind of vote in that period um and the capital at that point is committed to the project uh that said after that 7 day vote period there's actually a 7 day rage quit period and that's actually more for the members themselves so if you are a member and let's say there's a project that you are like vehemently you know against funding um you can actually leave the fund entirely um so at that point you can take any undeployed capital um and leave exit the fund um and and you know that th- that is what it is um no one has yet rage quitted uh which i guess is a good sign but you know there's always that opportunity and that's that's really what the grace period is for after the grace period is over the capital then gets deployed uh to the project and you know from that point like legal documents are signed and and we just you know go from there and and keep up with the project and and um yeah that's kind of the 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 quick and dirty on the process of course this varies depending on the project sometimes we move pretty fast um if a project 
needs funding right away. So it really depends, but generally it's like a multi-week process and, and the members tend to know pretty quickly. Um, and we also have two weekly calls where members will chat about these projects. Um, and, and most of the conversation I will say happens in Discord, which is, a, it's a fairly active community on Discord. Okay, um, and how are the rewards distributed? Like, uh, oh, is, yes. yeah. Well, so we haven't actually had a distribution event yet, um, but uh, you know, yeah, really it's, it's entirely member managed. So let's say it's, you know, tokens, for example, um, you know, a, a token distribution will come into the LAO. The members can then put up a governance proposal to decide how it should be distributed. So if they want to distribute it uh, pro rata based on each contribution amount at that time, they're more than welcome to. If they want to hold it, they can. Um, if they want to, you know, reinvest it, they can. So it's really up to them. Um, and that's how that happens. If it's an equity investment, it really looks like any other fund. Uh, you know, we've thought about kind of a way just for like the accounting purposes to put like dummy tokens representing equity um, just for internal use, but we haven't necessarily implemented that, but that's how that will look. Um, and, and if it is like an equity event or like an IPO, I think the way that that we've discussed that working is like any proceeds will be converted into like USDC or, or whatever the members should prefer and, and they can, you know, distribute it that way. Um, but to answer your question, they really can decide on, on how the proceeds and when the proceeds are actually distributed. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think that makes sense. For coming to Flamingo now, because uh, Flamingo is incubated by the Lao, and I think I find Flamingo to be the most interesting because I'm quite in, like, you know, uh, looking at the NFT space. And I, I guess uh, there's, you know, uh, Whale Shark has is, is some is project that I've been following. And um, yeah, I think it's all super interesting. And uh, having this DAO specifically dedicated to NFTs is, is um, yeah, it does have a lot of potential. So what I could find on the website was that um, you, you have plans for, uh, you know, you say that NFTs can be factionalized, combined into token sets uh, and stuff like that. So right now, the NFTs that you are investing in, are they, you know, uh, just, are you following like the whale shark approach? You're just looking for good gems and trying to uh, create a sort of like an index um, uh, of, of projects or, and, and uh, it, like whale shark, I think he just uh, does it uh, himself. Right. And uh, do you, in, for Flamingo, do you follow the same process for Lao in terms of selection of good NFTs? Yeah, it's, it's very similar to the Lao in that regard. And, you know, it looks a little bit different than the Lao because I think, you know, we're talking about NFTs, it's just an entirely different approach. And that's something that we're figuring out now, honestly. Um, it, it requires a bit more strategy because you can you can really get lost in like the NFT space. Like there's a lot going on. Um, and so it, it's taken like, you know, I think we've had like two meetings, but it's been taken like at least, I think it'll take like a couple, it took like two meetings to really figure out like where where the group wanted to focus their efforts and like what to really kind of lean into um, just because there's so much to talk about. Like you have the metaverses, collectibles, digital art, um, you know, gaming, <laughs> underlying infrastructure that you can invest in. Um, so you, frankly, each of those could have its own DAO if you think about it. There's just so much going on in each of those. Um, the approach is a little bit different than Whale, so it's a, it's a little more community driven. The members kind of will are gonna weigh in um, I, I think a lot of what has been going on so far is um, 
a, a lot of folks have opinions on different digital crypto artists that they like. So I think commissioning is going to be a pretty promising direction for Flamingo. Um, there's also definitely some collectibles that folks have their eye on and people want to weigh, you know, weigh in on and, and, and kind of jump in that direction. There's also just like, I think, leaning into trends. It might not be like, an, you know, token baskets, like similar to what we've seen there, but uh, there's, there's definitely certain trends and areas where I think folks will want to have and, and another uh, or want to push on. And then I think another area too is like with these NFTs, like creating something in some metaverse, like creating a gallery, a museum and a metaverse to display the works as well. So there's a lot of areas I think we want to build up the collection before we, you know, really start jumping in there. But there's definitely quite a bit of chatter in, in all of those directions, um, if that makes sense. And like, you know, it's going to look a lot like, um, it's going to look like a lot like the Lao and that people are voting on what they want to do and how much money they want to put into something, but it takes a little bit more curation and that like, okay, we can allocate X amount of money to this collectible, but like what collectibles are we going to choose? So the members need to start like, members will like start weighing in on what, like what specific art or collectible they want. Um, and then individually just kind of thumbs up or thumbs down. So it takes, it's a little bit more time consuming, I would say, than just saying like, okay, I like this project. Let's put, you know, X ETH into it. This is like, we can put X ETH into it, but what specifically in this realm do we want? So it's a little more curated, a little bit more time consuming in that, I'd say. Like what advantage Whale Shark, like for example, has is that you have these mark NFTs that, you know, they drop and you need to buy them very quickly, right? It's that, uh, like with say, if, if people are doing DeFi alpha trading and stuff, it's it's similar to that. You need to buy these things differently. So how would that work for Flamingo, right? Like, because if you are deciding for multi-weeks, like one or two weeks, um, you can't get into those good projects or or will it's it- will you, options, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or there's another one like Delphi, they bought like axes, right? Uh, for I think 150K or 200K or something. So will you will you uh, go towards that direction then instead of, uh, you know, getting trying to get into these rare drops uh, of NFTs and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think it's possible. It's, it's hard to say, you know, but we're still, I think the members are still kind of sorting through what they want to do. I mean, I understand speed is obviously of the essence with some of these acquisitions. I would say at this point, what the members are focusing on are, are things are probably not that don't require that level of like, you know, be timing. However, I would imagine at some point like those drops and, be, and it being time sensitive is something that we'll probably have to manage. And, and the thing is like the way that we've set up Snapchat and, and some of the governance is like, you can move pretty quickly. Um, or if we know that something is going like, for example, there have been discussions about, purchasing a work that drops, uh, the community can come together and say, I think we should bid up to X amount for this thing. And if it's above that, then we'll just pass. Um, so that's another conversation that folks have had about specific works too. Yeah. So right now, Flamingo is, uh, you just launched recently, right? Like what's the status of Flamingo and you're raising, I think, uh, the, there's still an opportunity for people to get involved, uh, in, in the Flamingo DAO. Yes. Um, Yes, I would imagine that it will probably close in the next few weeks. Uh, we have about 36% of Flamingo remaining. Um, so if you're, if you're interested, there's still some opportunity to join. I would imagine 
that by the time similar to Lao, because Lao took a few months to close, I think, um, you know, by the time it hits around 30%, I noticed that things are moving a lot faster. So similarly, I think that might happen here. Um, uh, there is still an opportunity. We have about 20, about 35 members thus far, um, all super interesting, all from various backgrounds, both similar to Lao and that they're, you know, founders and, and folks who've just been in the NFTs, written about it, been on podcasts talking about it. So a lot of people who just think are thinking about this and experiment, experimenting. And I think that's ex kind of exactly what I think this collective is. Like, of course, we want to acquire great NFTs and, and that kind of thing. But there's also this opportunity to really kind of push uh, the edges of the NFT space. So like you can start really thinking about blending these into these NFT protocols, like lending out some of these artworks, putting them in digital, you know, metaverses, fractionalizing them for the membership, uh, you know, really kind of doing a slew of different, different things, bundling them, um, putting them kind of with a bunch of other different interesting NFTs and creating, like I said, a bundle. So there's a lot of different experiments that folks have played around with and, and want Flamingo to, to partake in. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves as well. So when you mean a fractionalization, you mean a fractionalization of, uh, of a particular NFT or you mean yeah. uh, like say creating uh, like Nifty X or something, what they are doing, creating the uh, tokens, some ERC20 tokens, or is it fl fractionalization of the Flamingo itself? No, 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 not fractionalization of Flamingo itself. Um, although of course the members could kind of contemplate that, I guess. Um, but no, 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 it would be, it would be for specific NFT artwork. Okay. Okay. So you can own like you, yeah, you can own ERC twenties or something for, for exactly. the NFT. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, that's something which, which is quite interesting. And, uh, yeah, I'm also looking at that coming to, uh, seed clubs and social tokens. So, uh, you have, I saw that you are. Seed Club um, is doing a hackathon, right? A Gitcoin hackathon. Yes. We are inviting people to participate. So yeah, can you can you give a, first of all talk about the overview of Seed Club, and then we can you know uh, get some more insights from you. Yeah, Seed Club is like a very very cool uh, uh, community of people that are 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 aiming to really like build out and give creators the ability to own their audience and own um, you know, their communities in a way that, like I said earlier, tethers them to a token and, and allows for really interesting conceptual ideas. So C to, uh, Social Club, excuse me, Seed Club um, uh, gives folks the ability to um, come together and really learn about that space. So we have cohorts of different people, either that be, you know, a specific community or individual that wants to create a community around their craft, um, whatever it may be, it's it's a way for folks to go through a multi-week process to learn about how they may use their social token, how to engage their audience, um, you know, ways to be thoughtful about the execution of it and create tools around their community, um, that kind of thing. And, and so as part of that, I mean, that's one part of it where you have this great cohort that are like learning and I'd encourage anyone, right now we have the first cohort of about, I think like seven people, maybe less than that. Um, and then from there, we'll probably have another cohort. So people who are really interested in starting their own, you know, community or social token, I'd encourage you 
to to at least look into the cohorting um, and, and that and that kind of itinerary. But uh, we also have uh, the first social token hackathon, at least that I'm aware of. And this is a way for developers, um, creators, and others to come together and play around with ways um, a, a community token or a social token may actually. Uh, operate so this is like a way to figure out new interesting uh, usage so that could be like you know making these social tokens not only a way to bind your community but um, you know redemption for certain acts or events or whatever that may be I mean I think we've seen some of that but there's obviously ways you could really push the needle with these community tokens um, and I think the idea really here is just to see how you know people can play around with community platforms like Discord and Telegram, play around with distribution and rewards, um, you know, play around with the tech that exists today. Um, so, you know, how do you gain insights from your community based on this token? Um, how do you interact with how how do big LPs or whales of your token interact with you? Um, kind of just figuring out the social dynamic itself of social tokens and and you know there's a lot of great prizes a lot of great, great judges for this and we're seeing a couple of these communities pop up like I'm in jam swag is another one um, so so I think that I think this is increasingly going to be a thing and um, the hackathon is really kind of an open-ended way to see what else you can do with these tokens so it should be pretty pretty unique and interesting and i'm curious to see what comes out of this because i just think the potential here is huge yeah i guess yeah the social token space is exploding with rsc and you know his tape yes. uh, launch and now i think uh, today audius uh, project they also did the uh, yes. the, the dead mouth five or whatever uh, yeah yeah it's interesting so um in, in terms of uh, seed club you'll basically um, if someone wants to basically create a social token, the C club will help them incubate that, you know, provide them with various tools and mentorship and stuff. And they'll take some percentage of the social token. Is that the model that you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Interesting. Um, and, and what sort of uh, like, um, yeah, any interesting project that you can share, like how they are using social tokens to, um, you know, do things that were not possible to do before. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I are you a part of like the Jam community, for example? Like, I, I think it's kind of interesting to see someone start a community, have hire a community manager with their token, and then like give up, you know, rights to some multi-sig wallet and governance to that community just slowly. I mean, I think that's a super interesting one. Yeah. Um, for example, like I think at least from from my vantage point, it might be like one of the more which i mean there, there's actually plenty of them but at least as far as the ones i'm a part of i feel like it's pretty interesting and like it's it more or less the objective there is to like socialize and share information and something as simple as that like you can you know start giving folks responsibilities and, and financial empowerment through that so i think that's a a pretty good one um and yeah, yeah so i think i think you can start seeing some some interesting experiments come from even that community eventually can we can we use like DAO and social tokens? Do you have some ideas how we can combine these together? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny that you say that. We on the Lao side have actually been contemplating that too. So um, 
yeah, I would say stay tuned, uh, but th there's a possibility that you'll be seeing more from us on the social token DAO space, um, a way for uh, people to come together and support creators through creating their own social tokens is kind of the aim of this DAO. But, uh, you know, and we've been talking about that for a few weeks now, but I think that that will definitely come soon. Yeah, uh, I thanks thanks Priyanka. I think we did we did cover quite a lot, and uh, it's su super exciting. The projects that you're involved with are all you know quite um, yeah at the at the cutting edge, and uh, they're sort of I think NFTs and uh, social tokens are are quite relatable to even normal people compared to you know these governance tokens and stuff that is happening. Yeah. So that might actually push uh, Web three even more. Um, I totally yeah. agree. I think like NFTs and social token are like the consumer application for blockchain. And I just think that if anything is going to get like the TikTok viewers involved, it's like a social token supporting them. So, I yeah. mean, I think that there's a whole community of people that would be so into this idea. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like the, the kind of killer thing that onboards all these folks. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me.